Welcome to Talking Not Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. You've dropped in on our current topic series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. And today our episode is entitled Micromanaging 101. But let's set the stage for this. Greg and I have been friends for a very, very, very long time. Very long time. We've both been managers for a long time. We have both benefited from other people assisting us in our management development. And in every episode, we're going to discuss a situation where we and others have missed the mark. We will start at the perspective of the employee and move on from then. We're going to discuss how we have observed others successfully manage these situations that we've uh, used as a learning tool. And we're always going to have an underlying theme of a good discussion. Are we going to have a good talk on this topic today, my friend? Yeah, it's a great topic. You know, micromanaging, it's something that... Uh, None of us likes and all of us have done at one point are, are, are not in our careers. And just a little background, uh, just before we started recording, Greg and I were in our production meeting and uh, I'm going to come clean. I was walking down memory lane about a week ago and uh, some stuff came up about some situations I'd been in and I promptly came home and I typed this out and sent it to Greg at a and I apologize, Greg, it must have been like 11 o'clock at night when I sent you this. So I'm pretty sure you read it at 11 o'clock or maybe three days later. I'm not sure which. But uh, so I'm going to come clean and say that I wrote this. Uh, uh, I was kind of enthusiastic about my writing. But it is something that we've all experienced. And perhaps as managers, it's something that we have exhibited ourselves. So you're working and your boss is all over your business and you experienced some or all of the following. And I'm going to apologize for the 14 items I've written down, but I think it's a great discussion piece. You have no space to move or breathe. Everything is being questioned. Everything is wrong. Your boss is all over everything. You feel like you're nothing. They don't seem to trust you. You are frustrated. You are a subject matter expert and your boss is just wrong. Your boss expresses their disagreement or put down in front of other people. Any criticism isn't professional or helpful. They are unreasonable about reporting requirements and they keep changing. Any reporting doesn't seem to be enough. There are retroactive expectations and you want out. So Greg, how does this affect our relationships and the work environment? Well, first of all, I think this could be six podcasts, <laughs> all the things that are going on in this uh, situation. And they all come down to this micromanagement circle, uh, circle or coverage overall, which is just so overly involved. And uh, we've all experienced it. And, you know, probably for different reasons, uh, I, as you're reading it, I was thinking about also the emotions that are bubbling up with regards to it and how I felt those same emotions, just utter frustration um, and disengagement um, and, and uh, the loss of energy, the loss of contribution. It can be so uh, horrific in the situations. And equally, I was thinking about where I may have and did actually as a leader micromanage and not including all these things and not certainly intending to do all these things, but that these emotions, and I'm hearing lots of emotions and a lots of, of, of just reaction in here, uh, that how much you can create just by how you're showing up. And in this case, showing up 
way too often and way too deep. I agree. And I think there may be a couple different drivers for this type of behavior. The first one, when we were in our production meeting a, a little while ago, and you brought it up actually, was perhaps you are just so enthusiastic about this project or whatever is going on that you're just all over it. There could be another one where perhaps you don't feel secure in your job as the boss. Maybe you're over your head a little bit. And as such, uh, you are worried and that gets manifested in being all over the project, all over the people involved. There are also, you know, I think we have to say it sometimes, maybe there's a lack of trust in the person doing the job and as such to compensate, you're all over the person. And we've talked about uh, self-awareness in a whole bunch of these podcasts. And I think this is one of these situations where when it comes to your attention, whether you realize what you're doing or somebody talks to you about it, you need to actually take a little bit of a journey and figure out why am I acting this way? And perhaps you have to change or maybe you have to make some changes in what's going on. Yeah, I think that last one is, is also important because we do know we all approach different things in different ways, right? We're innately gifted on how we solve situations, how we investigate. We're innately just different who we are. And there are some folks that are more detail oriented, whether you take the, you know, there's tons of assessments out there, right? There's the uh, Myers-Briggs, there's DISC, there's Colby, there's all these, and really it's about helping people understand how they innately work, how they accomplish things. And so there are people that are more detail oriented and frankly, we need those folks. But when you reach a leadership role, um, this is where that self-awareness comes into play is saying, hey, if I am innately like that, what do I really need here? You know, uh, because I can easily slip into that, that uh, approach. And boy, I've had bosses who were beautiful people, but were, were, were very, very detail-oriented and so required so much information. And, and when they lost sight of the impact they were having on people, boy, oh boy, it, it ended up being exactly this situation. And in fact, I left an organization, I was in a senior role. So this isn't just for newbies. I was at the, the highest level of the function in the Canadian organization. And I ended up leaving partially because of, of this intensity of feeling micromanaged even in, even at that most senior level. And I mean a really good person and uh, who has since grown a lot from then, but um, that can happen. So that's, uh, I think a really important point. And I have experienced being micromanaged. And one of the things uh, as a person being micromanaged that I've had to deal with is my own self-awareness that, and we've talked about this, you and I have talked about our, our personalities to a certain extent in this podcast. I'm a lane guy, meaning I want to know how wide the lane is and I want to know how long the lane is. And I don't really want a lot of interaction after that. I, I need to know when I need to come to you to uh, give an update or report. And uh, I'm fine with a couple ad hoc, you know, requests for information. But I have to remember that I'm the type of person that I like to be left alone and to do my thing and hope that there's trust in me. But there's times when people need to know more information. And in this micromanaging situation, I have to realize that at times what I might think is micromanaging is just that it's really important. There's a lot riding on it and people need some information from me. 
But going into this situation, one of the things I have to remember is that I have a certain type of personality and you talked about all these different assessment tools. I find those very helpful and I've had a couple uh, of them given to me and it's been very enlightening to me in understanding who I am and how I approach things in contrast to the people I'm working with. So this is something that when I'm in some situations where I'm going, listen, why am I being micromanaged? Is it being micromanaged? And is that just a reaction of my personality to some pressures or requests that are being put to me? Because I know, especially as I get older, I like the way that I work. I think it's great, but that's me. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting because as you were talking uh, and I told the story of that one leader who was more of a detail oriented, I'm the total opposite. I am not as detail oriented, but I'm very passionate. So um, I could, I, I can think of scenarios where I was so deeply involved from that energy, that positive thing that we talked about, where, where I, I, it wasn't about details, it was about sharing new ideas, or hey, I got a thought about this, or hey, how's it going, and that type of thing. And I'm over the shoulder of the person trying to be in their lane and do their work. So as you said, give me the lane, and let's, yeah, let's, park aside some spots where we can have some brainstorming sessions, but just don't be here all the time. So, so again, it's that self-awareness of knowing who am I and how do I need to show up in this scenario to create the best environment for success? And so it always starts with that first piece. And, and often, even with great intentions, like I had with wanting to get, gain energy, being passionate about a subject, um, I am certain that that some of my folks felt uh, that I was micromanaging the situation. And uh, um, uh, it was just my energy and needing to be aware of how I'm showing up. We're such opposite people, man. Yeah, but that's interesting, especially in this topic, which easily we can figure in our mind when you hear the word micromanagement, depending on who we are, we have a label, a picture that pops up in our head. And the fact of the matter is how you started was micromanaging can look completely different. It's what we experience, um, which I think is now we can go on to what are some of those common sense things that we can create so that the feeling of being micromanaged does not, um, can be minimized as much as possible. I agree hundred percent. I think we have the right two people in the room to discuss this. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. But that's it. Like this, this whole podcast is about two people sitting down talking about stuff and isn't this what we're trying to model in this podcast what we're asking people to do to go have conversations with other people that are managers and stuff we have different approaches to stuff and and this is this is why i like these discussions because i, I learn every time we sit down and talk i learn uh, something from you and i know it's the opposite as well and i think this is one of these topics that you know are different perspectives and neither of us is wrong it's just so healthy to have this conversation and to have it in a way that you listen to the other person and go, Oh, that's interesting. You know, I never thought of that. That's, that's true. Right. Right. And the beauty is in the blend, you know, cause that, that person that I talked about before, I absolutely, had, I, I learned a lot from that person and, and how they approach things. And I've incorporated the part of their leadership into my later leadership as I move forward. So it's the, the beauties in the blend of those perspectives. And I think sometimes we're too binary out there. Mm -hmm. uh, you can see it in social media now and in the news and stuff like that, where I like that term. What did you use the blend? The beauties in the blend. 
It's going in the uh, episode description, buddy. <laughs> Sounds good. So what are some common sense things as a manager we can do to help with this type of situation? Now, the first one, give people the space to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I, as I think about that, I would almost say there may be one even before that. And we say this into, so I do think that's, this is the most critical one. I think the bubbles up, give people the space to do their jobs. But even just before that is align to who owns what and what and how you can best make that blend work have that clarity up front and then give them a space to do their work. But having that alignment up front and, you know, we talked about, especially as a manager, know where you, who you are and know how you show up and where you best impact and then have that upfront dialogue, those two combined and then give the space, I think are the, are the most important things in helping to understand that. I think number two probably goes in that first bucket as well. Pick the right person. If they aren't the right person, you need to change it up. We don't want to set people up for failure and for everything, you know, and how failure looks like as the process goes along. So important to pick the right person to do the job and support them. Yeah, because you talked about one of the reasons somebody might micromanage is if they don't have trust or belief in the person's ability to do the role. Um, and sometimes you might stretch people and that's okay, but if you really don't think they can do the role or if you're discovering after you've given them an assignment that they really can't and you've been coaching them, sometimes the best decision is to actually make the change um, and, and do that in a, in, a, in a way in which you can help um, strengthen that person, help them learn and then move before. But you're right, um, that will help eliminate that I don't trust that person in the role. And set a reasonable reporting schedule. There's always going to be a time when you need some information uh, outside of the schedule because you yourself are managing other expectations as well. For a person like me, a lame person like me, I really like the idea that on this day every week or every two weeks, whatever this that I know when I'm going to need to report because that's going to help me do my job, figure out how I can put the information together so it's more meaningful. I just really like that idea that I know I have some accountabilities. I know when they are, and it allows me to plan out my work in a way that I can bring the best report possible with the information that's required. And that's not to say that every once in a while there has to be something ad hoc thrown in. That's just the way the world works, but it's nice to set it up in advance that everybody knows what the expectations are. Yeah. Well, this comes back to that early on planning. Um, not only roles, but how often we're going to connect. And what's really important here is, you know, there's that great model that's been around for a long time, which is situational leadership, which basically says that, you know, really look at who the person is, what their level of skill is, what their level is will, of will is, how much time do you need to. So, so one person's reporting schedule might be tighter because they might be new in a role, they may be stretching, and they need more frequent feedback. But there are others that really know what they're doing. And to your point, you just need to set the thing up front and let them go and then check in every month kind of thing. So it, it, this can be really flexible depending upon who the person is in the role and, and where they are in themselves uh, uh, with regards to skill and will. So really important, set that schedule, but also set it in conjunction with what that person needs to be successful. And be self-aware you might not be the smartest person in the room 
on that subject, whatever the task is. Right. So this is actually one of the toughest things, I think, and where we fall into micromanagement is if we are quite smart uh, and if we do have a deep level of experience and knowledge in that, um, we can slip into that, I know best. Uh, but, but it's often the, that other viewpoint, even sometimes a fresh viewpoint, that, that can give you the, the, the best innovation, the best insights, because when, you've, when, when you think you're the smartest person in the room, normally that means that you've got a pretty strong um, uh, view and you're in your rut on what you believe. And uh, so that uh, is also an important aspect of how you widen out. And you have to trust people. And this goes to picking the right person and setting this up right. I don't like it when I get this uh, feeling or impression that somebody doesn't trust me. It's just not the way I want to work. I want to feel free to discuss things. I, I just think it puts such a hindrance on whatever you're doing if you're getting the impression from your boss that they don't trust you. Right. Yeah. And we've talked multiple times. Trust is the foundation of almost all of these podcasts. And if you need to correct something, and there's times when we as managers have to stop something and get it back on the rails, or maybe it's behavior or there's missed deadlines or whatever the situation is, we are a manager. If we need to correct it, let's do it in a professional way. Let's have the conversation in the way that we should be having a conversation. And we have a podcast and the talk, uh, a good one to go back to. Important if we do have to intercede or we do have to have a quiet conversation with somebody that we do it in an appropriate and professional manner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, uh, and again, that comes back to the almost the expectations that you're set up front um, uh, into what your role will be and when you'll show up. And uh, sometimes we go the opposite of micromanaging because we're afraid of, of not giving folks enough space. And then we don't address those things that are really critical. Uh, so if something is happening that you need to bring forward, you need to bring forward that uh, sooner than later, but, uh, because that will help that person be more successful, but definitely do it in a professional way, which is normally private uh, and, and uh, uh, provided with intention and uh, um, clarity. And you kind of touched out on there. Uh, let's make sure that we've communicated our expectations early. The plan, you know, this is, you know, let's talk about how we're going to accomplish this, who's involved, reporting, how I want to talk about it, all those things. So important that that's done upfront and early. Yeah, definitely. 100%. And the next one is really just kind of talking about the expect expectations can change. You know, in this world that we're experiencing right now, what's happening today will maybe change tomorrow. It is so fluid. Um, and, and so you want to keep as much consistency as possible, but also build in that agility and fluidity to be able to move forward. And so, so really, that's, again, just how you respectfully do that. Uh, and have those conversations. And really, I can't remember what our podcast was that we had this conversation uh, even deeper, uh, but it's a, around really declaring, hey, here's what's new. Here's what, what, what the uh, situation is and, and why I think we need to change. So I think that's also a really powerful perspective of 
recognize that things do can, can change, expectations can change, and it's how you um, uh, set up and share and engage in how do we move forward from those changed expectations. Yeah, it's, I think it's been in a couple different podcasts. I'm trying to nail it down to one, but I can't think of one. And just kind of the, the plus to uh, changes in expectations, there's nothing more frustrating as uh, an employee when at the end, all of a sudden there's some retrospective uh, expectations and that comes out in a discussion. You're going like, why didn't we talk about this months ago? Because we could have made slight adjustments if, I've know, if I knew that was your expectation. Like we were... Like six weeks ago, we were there. We, we could have easily, easily changed what we were doing or, or had a slightly different approach to accommodate that. And I find at the end of the day, you know, if you're going to talk about, well, this really wasn't what I wanted, that, that can be a frustrating thing. You know, you know, we're talking about micromanaging and, you know, you've been all over me. And now at the end of the day, we don't quite have what you want. Like, wh why didn't we talk about that during all these conversations? Yeah, yeah. And that comes back to that level of trust, because if you have that level of trust and transparency, then you can have those discussions saying, hey, I'm seeing some things happening over here that may impact the direction of our project. Um, you know, it might not be really clear yet, but let's keep an eye on it going forward. And then when something does come up, then to your point, the sooner you can have those discussions and honest, transparent, saying, hey, here's what's happened. What are the implications to the project? Is there anything we should shift? Those are great questions to have early on versus at the end saying, oh, we should have done this. I agree. And the last one, I'm, I'm gonna, what I wrote down was whining doesn't help. But what I'm really talking about is as a manager, if we're frustrated uh, and maybe that's coming out, we're micromanaging and, and something isn't really connecting with us how we manifest that frustration can at times cannot be helpful. And whether that comes out as whining or yelling or, or uh, body movements where you're slamming down a book or a pen or, or whatever it is, that stuff doesn't actually really help. It, uh, it kind of creates a wall between you and the employees. So I think if we're in a situation where we're not happy about something, then we need to realize what that is, be a little bit self-aware, and then have a good conversation about it. Maybe it's just a, a, a situation that there needs to be some clarity about what's going on, it, it, whether the communication with whether it was us or the employee. But I think if we're in that frustrated spot, it's not good for us. So we need to take a break for a second, gather our thoughts, think about what's really causing this, what we want out of this situation and then go and have a conversation about it and deal with it in an effective way that isn't going to alienate everybody where people aren't going to be afraid or not trust what's going on. There's times when we, we do get frustrated. We are angry about something. And that's, I think, when we need to be the big people in the room and, and get control of that and figure out what we want to talk about and what's actually triggering these emotional reactions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, and, and I mean, if you're really angry, take a break, take some breaths, uh, uh, calm down, but then have the discussion. And you know, what you know for sure is what you see and what you th think as a result of what you see and what it makes you want to do. Those are things that even as a manager or employee, you always know. So being able to bring forward and saying, hey, take a break, take a breath, then actually set up that private meeting with the employee and say, hey, Alistair, here's some of the things that I'm seeing and that as a result, this is what it makes me feel and this is what I'm worried about as a result about. 
But before we go any, I go any further, I want to understand your perspective. What's going on? And leaving the space to have that, because you might be totally misreading something. However, by having that early on discussion, it's going to bring it to light. And, and by opening at the end saying, help me understand what's happening, allows that openness to have uh, greater clarity and not be a micromanager, but still highlight some things that are bubbling up for you, which is really important. I love that comment you just made there because sometimes we're not seeing things the way they actually are. And maybe we're getting inputs from other areas and we become very angry or frustrated with it. And we do become the micromanager rather than taking a moment, getting a breath, and then having a really good discussion, either at the next reporting date, if it's like tomorrow or the day after, or having an ad hoc one. I love that point because I do think that this sometimes is a driver as well. Just that we, we don't have the right perspective on it. We don't understand what we're seeing or what we're hearing. And what we really need is just a good, healthy conversation. So if we can have that the next day, if there's a, uh, a scheduled uh, kind of reporting session with uh, the person you need to talk to, then take advantage of that. But I love that point. This could be, you know, another driver. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I, uh, Stephen Covey did this, had this great statement, seek first to understand. And I really think that is really important. And I would also add before you do that to set it up properly, you know, here's my intention here. I'm seeing some things that I really want to just understand and I'm having some reaction to them. I want to share and I want to understand your perspective and then lay it out what you're seeing, what you're thinking, what that makes you feel and what your, your reaction is. But then opening it up allows you then to really be present with understanding. And to your point, often what we're seeing or hearing from other people is not true or it might be only slightly true. And it's a beautiful coaching moment and an opportunity where collectively you can maybe tweak a bit or, or maybe even add greater support to drive something forward. I like that. I think that's a really helpful thing. Now as employees, there's a couple things we can do to assist. And this is kind of that upfront thing that you started off with there. Be clear in the beginning about expectations on the process, the reporting, the timing, and the end results. There's nothing better, and I'm a lane person, so I'm 100% into this, this uh, suggestion, is let's get those things up front so that we can understand what's gonna be going on and it will help us as we go through the process to keep on track. Yeah, and you know, as a leader, the type of leader I am, I'm a visionary leader that gets people excited moving forward. I love this because I know that in order for something to really happen, these things got to happen. Um, so if I don't bring it forward, I loved when people would say, okay, I love where we're going, Greg. I'm super excited. Uh, I, I think it might be good to lay out the process reporting timing and end results, kind of what, what we're looking for. That's beautiful. So if your boss doesn't bring it up, to your point, suggest it because it'll, it'll save so much time and emotional confusion later on. And communicate clearly on the progress. I love it when an employee comes up and we talk about this in a whole bunch of podcasts that we've uh, dealt with so far. I love it when somebody comes up and they're clear and concise. They've given some thought to the conversation we're going to have or to the, the memo they're going to write or the email they're going to send. And I love it when I get an email that doesn't create another 27 questions in my mind. Nice and clear and, you know, uh, reporting against our objectives you know, in a very organized fashion, it's so helpful. And then there's not a need for the manager to micromanage the situation. I just love nice, clear reporting on progress. Yeah, you know what's really interesting is it links a little bit with something else, which I think is, is uh, maybe the next point is really just understanding who your boss is. 
and understanding how they, what they need. Um, you know, I talked at the beginning of our different uh, individual styles and approaches to things, but if you know that your boss is a more detail-oriented folk, folk person, talk to them and saying, okay, how much do you want and what do you, what do you need? If you know that your boss is really someone who is really top line, top three points, provide them just the top three points and say, if you want more information, you can reach out. So know who you're communicating to and align that up front. Uh, again, that will help you save the communication and the flow and the effectiveness of your project. And they will most likely be less micromanagers if you give them what they need. So it works both ways, um, uh, how, you, how you approach it. I like that. And the next one is push back when you have to. We've talked about this uh, in a whole bunch, not all the podcasts, but a lot of them. I love it when people are confident. And if I have the wrong impression or I'm not getting the, the right uh, vibe off that something, I like when people go, no, Elster, that's not the situation. This is the situation. I love it when people will push back a little bit and have that confidence because that's what I'm looking for. If I have confidence in this person and, and they're standing up to me every once in a while, pushing back a little bit, I love that because this is all about trust. And if I, if I as an employee, are going, no, Greg, Greg, no, that's, that's not what's going on. There was a discussion about that. We were sitting there just brainstorming, but that's not what we're doing. You know, we, we're in a development kind of process and we're all kind of probably too creative. But then, no, we're back on doing this. We've discussed this with you. Every once in a while we have discussions. Is there any other options? It's just the way that we're doing this project and it, it's, it's important. So I love it when people push back a little bit, that they show they have confidence. It just instills trust. And I, I, I really like that. I agree 100%. And I love it when things are documented. I like nice clean emails, nice plan. Uh, if there's a memo involved, if we're going to be giving a talk, I love it when there's bullet points. I think it's important as an employee that we document things because it gives, it gives me confidence as a manager that, oh, okay, you know, this person's thinking about how they're reporting, about what uh, information I need, what's important in the project. I just love that. I think it's important to document things. And I think as an employee with things documented, if later on um, things like retroactive expectations or the expectations are train, uh, changing, then we can go, hang on, th this was what we were going to do. So I just want to understand as part of, maybe we do have to change, you know, there's new issues at stake. That's great. But then at least we have a document to start from, and then we can document those changes so that we all know what's expected and what's going on. Yeah. You know, I'm, uh, I've done a lot of work in performance management and simplifying that process, but having a really crisp and clear uh, summary at the end that says, what are, what are we, what do we talk about? What are we, what are our next actions and who's accountable for them and when uh, that's a great thing to kind of capture. So, um, so it's clear and crisp and then it becomes your reference document when you come back together. That's good. I like that. And it's, it's interesting how on so many of these uh, evaluating people has come up in the podcast as well. And, and this just goes to help towards that in documenting somebody's development program and things like that. I, I think it's, it's becoming very apparent as we go. I think this is number 17, the 17th one that we've recorded in this series. And I think it's just uh, amazing to see the connections between the different podcasts. Yeah, I agree. And work hard. 
I, as a manager, love it when I see people just working hard and getting down to it and giving, bringing their best to what's going on. It gives me a lot of trust in the process. Yeah. And just do your, do your best, like really be committed uh, is, is something that's sometimes hard. And when you're in those micro micro uh, management situations, it's sometimes hard to work hard, uh, difficult to work hard because you're just overburdened and frustrated. Uh, but if you're committed and working forward and follow some of these things we talk about, I think that will, that will help um, mitigate uh, those, those situations getting to the point of severe micromanaging. And the seventh one, initiate a postmortem on a project if you think there are learning points on the process, communications, everything that you're doing. This, this whole, when I came up with this idea and you and I talked it out, this comes from my policing experience from years ago. And one of the things that I appreciated about my police experience in, uh, I was had the opportunity to help co-chair a bunch of international police conferences. And quite often we would have case studies. And the case studies weren't always the things that went well. Sometimes we had these case studies to talk about because things did not work out. And they were really good learning experiences. And what I, what I found was when people approach them in a humble and honest way for the purpose of a learning situation, how helpful that was to everybody sitting there. There's times when people would come up and go, I have learned more from this last 45 minutes than I have all week. It just really resonated with me. And I think if you have a work environment where people trust each other, where you have a good relationship to be able to sit down afterwards and have an honest talk about how things went, it's already happened. And what you're doing is setting up for the next project and the continued relationship between bosses and their employees. I don't know if every workplace, Greg, could pull this off, but I found uh, in a bigger scale and also within some of the investigative units that I worked as a police officer, there's times when we would have a case review. That's what we called it. Mm -hmm. And we'd sit down and we'd talk about a case and what went well and what went did not go well and and some suggestions better processes better ways of doing things it was so important that if we did have that environment we could do that it was you learned so much from that experience yeah i agree some of the best organizations have love and learn debriefs and what did i love about the project you know what were the things that really went well what did i learn about the project things that i would do differently next time and then as importantly these organizations are building archives love and learn archives or whatever you want to call them that that allow easy access so if we go into another project that is similar or if we go back to a client that we've worked with before we can resource that area and say it's less about often we measure the results of the project but we don't recognize the things that that the how you know the what we measure but we don't do the how and what we're talking about here is how do we actually capture the how, both the things that, that work really well and the things that we could do differently next time? And if there's an easily access point for that, boy, it will powerfully set up the next group or the next project that is in that area. And that's why I mentioned this one, and that's why we've discussed this, this episode, is if you have that great relationship and you can do things like this, there's not going to be a need to micromanage on the next project. If right. we are learning from our experiences, if we can talk about things, 
we're not, as a manager, we're not going to have to panic about what we know or about what other people know, whether we trust people. It's just going to be a better relationship. Agreed. So Greg, do you have anything in wrap up? Uh, just the same things I almost always say in these things is uh, it starts with uh, knowing yourself, you know, as a manager, uh, knowing how you show up um, and, uh, and how you, what you need to bring and what you need to let go. As an employee, it's the same way. It's the same thing. It's that, that first of all, knowing yourself. Second thing is always setting the importance of setting up expectations, timing results and things up front. So if you set the tone up front, um, and then be fluid and flexible and respectful in those conversations during the process, those three things will help eliminate micromanagement because you are clear uh, and, and you have a, have a way in, in, in going forward together. So those are uh, know yourself um, and how you show up, be planful, and then be prepared for flexibility and fluidity in the project. I guess the last thing is also that postmortem, which I can't say enough. I love that ad. That's a that's a that's an important bookend on the end to learn from what you just did. I think for me, it's that self awareness that you're mentioning, and also communication. Those are the the two things that, for me, being a manager, and for me in my experience as an employee, were probably the two most important things that I was looking for or I needed in a situation. So listen, we hope that you, uh, some of what we have spoken about, you find helpful. We hope that you didn't find anything we spoke of made you really, really angry, but I'm going to lean on you again, Greg, for your happy or peeved philosophy that we are ending every podcast on. That's great. Yeah. Um, I, we always end this way in that, uh, from my personal experience, uh, as having a coach for a number of years that I, I always say that I, I would often leave those sessions either excited, joyful about something or a little peeved and churny about something. And, uh, and both were great because the joy was usually something that I'd done well. And she always started with that. She always helped me really see the traction that I was making. The peeve and the churn was really about that, that, that authentic direct conversation that I helped recognize the things that I still had opportunities to grow on. And they were uncomfortable, but they both the joy and the angst helped me uh, move forward and grow to be a better leader, a better person, a better partner. Um, so we, we hope that in these sessions that you may have experienced a little bit of both, hopefully joy and hopefully uh, maybe even a little angst that kind of pushes along the edges of where you need to maybe put a little bit more focus. I love that philosophy. I really do. I didn't like it the first time I heard it, but I like it now. <laughs> so remember, people matter. Take the time with the people you work with. They are an important part of your job, your success, or your failure. Talk to you next time. Take care.